0: Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of An Unconventional Guide to Success. Scott and I are excited for this season and hope you will truly enjoy our incredible lineup of guests who will share their stories and help us as we continue to explore concepts and discuss real-life examples, showing that the path isn't linear and that the journey to success is self-defined. My name is Linda Misogaitis.
1: And I'm Scott Montgomery.
0: And we will be your guides. Welcome to An Unconventional Guide to success, I always want to say for success, and Logan always tells me, "Mom, it's to success." So, um, spoiler alert: uh, our producer is my son. So, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but welcome everybody. Hey, Scott, nice to see you.
1: Hey, nice to see you, Linda too. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Brian, nice to see you today as well.
2: Thanks for having me on. And i, f- I had I had to figure there's a family relationship when I got emails from Miss Agatis. I had to figure it. There, there aren't a lot of those names out there. No. Working on the same podcast.
0: <laughs> Very true. Yes, there are not a lot of those names out there. And if you see it, uh, we're probably related. So um, so yeah, <laughs> definitely one of those names. Careful for what sure. we're saying
1: to other Missy Gatuses. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right.
0: exactly. Well, we're really excited to be back for uh, for season three. Yeah. Uh, Scott and I have some great guests lined up for everyone. And uh, in, here today, we've got Brian Scheidster with us. Um, Brian's a head of public sector marketing at SoCure. And he's also the host of his own podcast, um, the government huddle by Brian uh, with Brian Scheidster. It's a podcast from Gov Exec. Uh, formerly, he served as the industry vice president for global public sector at Genesis. Uh, he also has held global public rela- sector leadership roles with OpenTex, Appian, Monster Worldwide, Aero ECS, um, and uh, S&P Global. Uh, he holds his B.S. in communication studies from Liberty University. He's a board member for the University of South Florida. Is it Muma College? Is that how you say that, Brian?
2: M- Mooma School of Business, that's right.
0: Mooma School of Business, awesome. Um, and he's also an advisor to the G20 Global <laughs> Smart Cities Alliance at the World Economic Forum and a member of Forbes Technology Council. So uh, welcome to the studio, Brian. We're happy to have you here.
2: Uh, like I said, thank you so much for having me. And, and I'm glad you're starting the season off because you, you can benchmark and you only get better from here. No, no come thank on you. now. Yeah, no, no we're we're starting I totally in agree. We're coming in Yes. High.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I got the opportunity to meet Brian because we both um, support an organization called Public Sector Network. Uh, Scott has as well. Worldgate has also been a sponsor of their events in the past, and uh, you know we've had the opportunity. Uh, Brian's keynoted that a couple of times, and I've moderated nice. some of the panels. So, um, yeah. so that's how Brian and I first met. So.
2: Yeah, I was really, I was really fortunate, Mishi. We've had some good conversations, and I'm looking forward to the the one we'll have today.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. So we always kind of like to, well, I always like to start out, Scott may not, but um, as a with an icebreaker, i um, a little bit just to um, kind of ease into the show. Um, but if you could hang out with any cartoon character, uh, who would you choose and why, why that cartoon character?
2: Oh, that's easy. It'd have to be a member of the Paw Patrol because I would be the coolest <laughs> person in my family if I got to, if I got to go say, I, hey guys, I just met Rubble and oh, we, um, yeah? we did some construction work together. I mean, my daughter would think I was the best.
0: That's right. awesome. That's oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's funny. I forget. You've got little ones, don't you? Yeah,
2: I have three of them. So, I mean, as, as you were going through my bio, I was going to throw in there. And I'm also, I mean, my favorite role is dad to, uh, to three kids, but that's the one that keeps me also
1: the busiest. Right. Uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> Brian, we have that in common. And it's funny because I have three kids too, but they're 15 and 17. Yeah. I have twins that are 15. Oh, wow. And I've never heard of the cartoon you're talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah. So it yeah. must be yeah. newer. Your kids are must a be older. Newer. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, it a, a, it's newer. a newer yeah.
0: cartoon. But, uh, oh, yeah. You know. if,
2: if I had to pick, uh, let's, let's say it that way, if I had to pick a cartoon that is outside of my kids' generation, um, I mean, I was always a big fan of, of G.I. Joe growing up. I okay. feel like that would be a cool one. But I, I still remember this. This was an old cartoon. I'm really dating myself now. Uh, there was a young James Bond cartoon on before school. And I always thought he was the coolest because this is like a high school age kid going on these secret missions, secret adventures like James Bond. And for me, if I could do a ride along on
1: one of those, that would be pretty yeah. fun.
0: That's awesome. No, I like that. Don't don't you, look Scott? up the
1: date of that cartoon, guys. Don't look I, up the date. <laughs> I, oh, uh, Brian, Brian, let me tell you something. Linda and I have you beat on that because we're talking Flintstones and Jetsons.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. way back. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you know, yesterday yeah. was Mister Rogers' last day on air. Speaking of kids' stories and kid TV wow. shows, twenty-two oh, wow. years ago was his last day on air yesterday. And I used Thanks. to watch him. So yeah. I, I yeah. mean, just just to give you guys, a, I just turned forty
2: on the thirteenth. Okay just had that milestone. So that's, that's what it is. Welcome. Right. Yeah, welcome. Happy birthday.
0: I forgot you did just celebrate yeah. a birthday. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. That's
0: fantastic. What about you, Scott? I mean, what cartoon character would you hang out with?
1: I like the Incredible Hulk. Oh, I like the Incredible right. Hulk a all lot. Right. I think it's great yeah. that you can actually manifest yourself into something that like, you know, is different than the way you are. We're constantly mor- morphing and evolving. So I always love the Incredible Hulk.
0: Oh, I like that. And I'm actually, kind of a pinky in the brain person myself. Oh, like, watch uh, out for Linda. She's going to try to take yeah, over the world. Yeah, I, that's I right. am. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of my favorites. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> so it's funny. We got G.I. Joe and the Incredible Hulk, and then we have cerebral, intelligent, going to take over yeah. the world. Right. We're just going to yeah. push our weight around. Yeah. G.I. Joe yeah, and exactly. the Incredible
0: Hulk. Exactly. We got Hulk. an interesting right. ca- uh, yeah. cast of right. characters here, don't we?
2: Yeah. And then and then you have the Paw Patrol that's going to come in and clean everything up. That's so right. We got everything exactly. well-rounded.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who is this rebel <laughs> character?
2: Right. Oh. <laughs> you, see, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you, Scott. All right.
0: You yeah, now you're going to go out to do your research. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I'm in, I right. love I'm it. In. That's great. Oh, my
1: goodness. <laughs> That's great.
0: Well, Brian, I know um, in your world um, you focus a lot on um, in the federal space. Um, so, why did you why did you choose that path? Like, what made you kind of head down the uh, the route of government, and why specifically federal? Because there, you know, you could go both ways, and SLO, state and local is uh, definitely different than the federal market. So, what? Why well, that, so that so area? I
2: actually I actually do focus on on state and local as well. So, oh,
0: all right, good to yeah, know. Yeah,
2: so so I would actually say. In my role right now, I, there's probably more of an emphasis on okay. the state level governments, especially okay. as we deal with. So a, as Linda mentioned, I'm the, the head of our, our public sector marketing team at SoCure and we do digital identity verification. Um, think when you're going in to do payments to government or get disbursements from government, making sure you're verifying and saying of all those of all those we talk about that are out there, you yeah. are Linda misegas. you are the Linda Misatus that's trying to represent herself to get those disbursements and there and yeah. the reason why I say that is there's a lot of that happening at the state level right a lot of programs that's that true, are supporting yeah. citizens, so we have a lot of state level government um relationships that we build um, but also federal too. There's obviously a lot of citizen facing programs i mean sure the, middle of April right I mean we go in and pay our taxes that's a that's a huge yeah. one um but there there's a lot of programs, but even beyond that uh i I've had global roles in the past where I've dealt with various levels of government all over the world. One of the, one of the coolest projects I worked on was with the government of Qatar doing a, a full digital um, transformation project on their customer experience or citizen experience platform wow. in the run up to the FIFA World Cup that just happened there. Wow. So okay. they were, they were going to have a massive ingestion, obviously, of tourism, yep. visas, all of that. And we supported that, that program for them, which I'm a huge soccer guy which I, so I thought it was, I thought it was incredibly cool. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been domestic, it's been international at all levels of government. And to, to get to the spirit of your question, which was kind of how I got here. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why I was excited to have this conversation because all the, all the guests that I bring onto my show, um, when we get into their careers, I hear this all the time, my path to this, to this job or this role was not a straight line. It wasn't linear, yeah. just like your tagline is. <laughs> yeah. and, and that couldn't be further wow. from, or, or that couldn't be closer to the truth than, than for me. Sure. I, I started, I went to college and, and I played soccer and that's, that's what I focused on. I played division one soccer. I actually played a year professionally. And when I, got to, when I got to school, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be, but I started doing marketing classes and I just fell in love with, with communication and yeah. engaging people and, and finding creative ways to, um, get people to take action, um, so much so that I was staying late after class, working on projects longer than I should have uh, telling my coach, I'm going to be late to practice. Oh, wow. Um, so, so when I finally had a chance to start my career, I live in the DC area. I always say you're either working for the government or doing business with the government. Yeah. So I, I, I found a role in, in public sector marketing. And the reason why I stayed is what I've really found is one, and you can, you can attest to this Linda, especially the community is incredible. I love working with, with the people in this community. So many, so many people that have helped me along the way mentored Mm me, but also too, it's not something that everyone can do. And I'm incredibly competitive and you get into the, the government, the business of government space. Anybody who's done that before understands the the challenges and nuances that go into a role that engages government and knowing that it's something that not everyone can do and because I'm so competitive I I haven't left it's just I I love Amazing. it I'm not the person that um, I mentioned I have three kids so I'm not I'm not doing as much work on the weekends these days but <laughs> You're doing more um, on, on the weekends. Nights, Let's give, it, that's Brian, true. give yourself a little bit of credit. You're doing a lot <laughs> more on true. the weekends than before. Yeah, <laughs> but, on, but on Sunday night, I'm, I've never been the guy that, that said, oh, I don't want to go to work on Monday. I'm, I'm yeah. opening up my laptop when the kids go to bed and I'm, I'm getting ready for the week because I can't wait to dive in. And it, that hasn't changed. And I absolutely love it.
1: You know, I I want to jump on something you just said, Brian, that I absolutely love that I found really prominent in my career as well. And you said that is the people that you work with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The the reason you get up in the morning and the teams that you're building, the teams that you're part of, and the mission-based work that you plug into is is so important for the next generation and for people graduating college. It's it's so often that I hear in the college vortex, of which I just graduated college 35 years in the making, um, just. Those, <laughs> th- those students, I know, I know, students um, tend to think that they're bringing a skill out into the real world and where do they plug that skill in? And I have found it's often those people that you interact with and those teams that you build. And in, in what I've written about and what I've experienced in my book and what I've experienced in life, I found relationships to be key. Mm-hmm. I would love if you would just dive in for the sake of our audience and, and helping them understand that those partnerships, those long-lasting relationships, that mission-based work that you have plugged into that took you away from your hobby a little bit, but really satiated you. Who do you have in your world and how did all that start for you? And is there one specific person or two that really guide you to this day, maybe hundred percent. And real quick, before I,
2: I answer that question, y- you talked about purpose. Um, and I've been doing a lot of reading recently and I haven't gotten to your book, Scott, but I, I will. But I, I just, there was a quote in this book that said, suffering ceases to be suffering when you find a purpose yeah, and man. when you're working yeah. really hard and it seems right. so difficult, all of that goes away when you have a purpose that you're driving towards because your yeah. mission is what is central you're not focused on how much it hurts or how hard it is or how big the mountain is you just want to you just and it's the other thing the other part of that too is as i've gone i've learned it's not about the end goal as much yeah. as it is falling in love with the process that and can. if you fall in love with the process then you're never going to stop no matter how it hard it is start. i actually learned that from running i'm a i'm a huge runner and knowing that every single day I'm gonna wake up and it's gonna be the same, the same run, but falling in love with the process of getting faster and getting better, that's really what you have to do. It's not about that end time at, at a race that you might do. It's about all the runs you did leading up to that and all the runs you're gonna do after. Um, so it's- Beautiful. Falling in love with the process is so important. Um, but you talked about people, uh, and then there's, there's absolutely a few people um, that I can, that I can think of and I'm almost hesitant to start naming people because there's so sure, many, right. <laughs> one, of, one of the, Stories. one of the things I will say though, is I am a firm believer in anybody that I've mentored. Um, I've made sure that, that they knew this, that just, just because you might have a formal mentor mentee relationship mm-hmm. doesn't change the fact that you're going to have mentors all your life that aren't formalized, and I've I've made sure that I'm constantly looking around, and I feel like I've learned more from just watching people that might not even know yeah. I was watching, right. than the people that I've actually had a one to one relationship with. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to put my finger on the one person that I think he wasn't even a and it probably fits right in this bucket, wasn't even really a quote unquote mentor, but changed the trajectory of my career dramatically um, was a guy named jason adolph who works at uh, appian and okay. when i was at appian i was solely focused on marketing mm-hmm. and what i learned there from him is how powerful of an instrument you can make yourself when you have a such a incredible depth of knowledge within mm-hmm. the market within the industry
1: yeah, yeah.
2: it's not just about and this is the thing that you sort of feel coming out of college, perhaps. And again, I'm, I'm long removed too, but you feel, and I had this thought that it's, it's all marketing. It doesn't matter what you're marketing. It's yeah. all just the same type of rinse and repeat. And that is not true. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening that's doing marketing or getting into your career, that is not true. Um, and especially in the government space, everything yeah. is so nuanced. Um, but what he did for me was he made me realize that I needed to get deeper and smarter on the market that I'm in. Um, and I I very much took that to heart. So I was, con- that, I mean, he's one of the reasons why I start my mornings every morning. I'm up usually around 4 a.m., but I start my mornings reading. If That's anybody awesome. who follows me on LinkedIn or Twitter will see articles that I'm sharing, it's because I'm starting it and I'm trying to learn and yeah. get deeper and better and try to form my own opinions on, on different Wonderful. things happening too. But I, I wanna be able to not have to rely on people around me to go out and propagate whatever it is we're trying to talk about or be subject matter experts. I should be able to do that too. Yeah. And, and, and have a more strategic lens into the industry, not just marketing strategy. So he, he helped me pivot my career. Wonderful. And from that role, I moved into my role at OpenText where I was head of uh, worldwide industry strategy for public sector, um, traveling around the world, speaking at events, working with government leaders on how they need to build out their programs um, and all of that. So I've, it's, it's made me re, almost refall fall in love with this industry more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I owe that to him for sure. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah, Wonderful. that's really cool. I love so, that. Well, well, and I'm just kind of curious a little bit. Um, you know, as a as a leader, how do you see your role then as kind of like that mentor, advisor, coach? You know, in the roles that you've had and the positions that you're in, if you kind of reverse that a little bit, how do you see yourself?
2: You know, I think about that often. I I mean, I have some formalized uh, people that I do mentor. I have mentored, especially through Government Marketing University. Um, where they actually have a, a mentor-protege program um, that I've done for about three or four years now. Um, so I, I very much try to think about what I'm leaving behind, especially the things that I've learned. And part of it is that that pass it forward type of approach, right? I've had so many people, I mentioned Jason, Jason there's so many others um, out there that have helped me that I want to make sure that I'm I'm able to leave behind, even if it's a little little piece. Or even if I'm only helping one person, I want to know that I was able to do that. Um, So that's one of the reasons why I like to volunteer. The other the other reason too is I always learn things from them. Right. I always learn things from them. It just it could be tactical like Mm -hmm. social media strategy or or things of that nature that are a little bit uh, a little bit newer um, on some of the things that I might not know about. But there's also ways they interact, like finding finding what drives them. Um, Mm -hmm. things have things that obviously change generation through generations and learning how to interact with those makes me a better leader in my own organization, right? Mm -hmm. How do I interact with the people that are similar in age, making sure that I'm speaking to them, I'm really kind of touching on their purpose and what is driving them. Um, so I always learn from, from them throughout that process.
0: Oh, I fantastic. love that I was um talking with um, Larice Brown you probably have met Larice before mm-hmm. um, at one of the events and I she's just she's just such a smart woman and I, I really enjoyed talking with her but she said something to me that really resonated because I have a tendency sometime to ruminate a little bit in the past like well this is the way it used to be and um, and <laughs> she likes to remind me uh, frequently that um, times have changed you know we're in a different environment a different world um, and so you have to look at things through the lens of of today um, because we do have a bad habit, especially the older we get, in wanting to kind of look back here and think, oh, well, this is the way it used to be. And and Scott and I have even talked about this, about holding younger people to standards that don't apply to them today. It's a different right. world. It's a different environment. And how you approach things is not how we came up um, and probably not even how you came up either, Brian. Um, yeah. you know, it, It's different. And I think that was an important lesson I took away from that.
1: Well, I think it's one really the, important. One of the that things Brian's what Brian, you just said, too, about how your mentors teach you and keep you fresh mm-hmm. with that yeah. same logic is a huge piece of this because we do have to be malleable with each other as we're yep. continuously learning and growing. Yeah, you were going to say something.
2: In and all, in all relations are bi-directional. Um, what I was going to say is one of the questions I, that I often get asked, and, and when, I, when I have conversations with folks, especially in this type of relationship, generally, it's, there's strategic conversations and there's tactical They'll come to me and and they'll say, I'm thinking about this across my career, or they'll come to me and say, Hey, I'm having this issue with this coworker. I'm working on this project. And how do I, so I I like, I like having a little bit of both, but one of the questions that I often get almost in every single um, type of relationship that I've had like this is around a job that they're looking to, they're in a role, they want to move to a different role and they want to know how. And one of the pieces of advice that I generally give them is very similar uh, to kind of what you're talking about, Linda, but but if you kind of fold that into their way of thinking, they worry that they're not qualified enough, or yeah. if they are qualified, that they're not old enough to fit yeah. into that mold. Yeah. And one of the things that I tell them is so much has changed over the past 10, 15, 20 years that you may be just as qualified or even more so than somebody who's 40 or 50 yeah. because you are a native to these things yeah. and don't forget don't forget to lean on that type of experience because it can really differentiate you throughout that process you might be just as qualified as they are if not more so age doesn't play a part in it it's all about what you can yeah. bring to the organization and make sure when you're when you're talking to them you're selling the fact that you are natively in these things. Um, So just just something to think about if anybody's out there, they're thinking, hey, you know what? I need to fit into this mold to get this job. No, you just need to be you. Bring your skill sets into those roles and you'll compete against anybody.
0: Absolutely, that's great advice, um, and and I think especially today, as we hear so much conversation around things like imposter syndrome and and mm-hmm. and trying to fit in, and as you know, just to your point, and particularly in an industry like government that is still very rooted in um in in the older generation. If I think it's one mm-hmm. of the only workforces that actually has um every single generation is still works in it, so it's true mm-hmm. multi-generational yeah. environment, uh, which can be challenging sometimes if you're a young person trying to think about how you break into an environment like that. And I love what you just said, because you're right. The world we live in today is, is really a representative of where they are today, not where we yeah. were. 20 30 40 years ago so.
1: yeah and it was Correct. so conventional back then and the way the path is yeah. today being unconventional in you know there's so many executives that I work with and interact with at my firm here at worldgate that are so feeling like they have imposter syndrome because they fell into the job fell yes. into the job yeah when really the leadership that was that they were reporting into saw their value to you said as being native to what the next level is right yeah so because they didn't actually do it a way that they had envisioned of the past. They called it unconventional, which means imposter. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much now more about getting into careers and changing and shifting by, through osmosis and immersion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every, ro- every new role should be
2: uncomfortable. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. That's, that's something that I think they don't tell you. You start right. your career. You think right. if, if it's not, if, if you it's think hard. about it, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the analogy that I often use is when, if you're a, I mean, if you're unlike some of the, the teams that I follow, um, like the Washington Commanders, you, <laughs> most good teams pay players for what they're going to do,
0: right. not for good what point. they've already
2: done. They've given, yeah. they've given some of that, right. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're projecting into the future. So if they're getting these massive contracts, they're not paying you for what you've already done. They're paying you for what you're going to bring to this next role. They're going to slot you into. Mm-hmm. And that's really with good. that comes a level of, of discomfort, right? Yeah. Because you have something to live up to, but there's also, you're only going to get better. And that's, that's, the, that's what's so good about um, being uncomfortable is yeah. you have to be uncomfortable to get better. There's a great book that I and I'm, I'm blanking on the author's name now, but it's called De- deliberate discomfort. It's by a former army ranger oh, and he goes cool. through and he, he tells different stories from his career. And the, obviously the, the underlying piece of it is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And right. if you can do that, it's going to bring it's, it's, and you pair that with a growth mindset, yeah. the sky's the limit. Well, so yeah. you, you should be seeking out opportunities to be
1: uncomfortable
2: you shouldn't stay
1: in your own zone yeah I love the analogy you talk about about how well and so many uh uh, young entrepreneurs and folks emerging into their career or people changing their career I love I love what you just said it's the first time I ever heard it in a way of looking at the commanders and saying you've been slotted for what's to be not you've been validated for what you've been through those are two very and I love that because that's so important to absolve yourself of anything other than all these progressive behaviors like continual mindset mm-hmm. growth mindset rather and and yep. sort of validating what you've been through and how it's recognized that that could actually be the skills you need to traject into the future no. is yep. so important to to hear and resonate in for a minute to, together here because i think that's where people get hung up a little bit on task and imposter syndrome versus potential and continual learning love yeah. that analogy they're paying they're paying you yeah. for what's to be yeah. And mm-hmm. you've earned the the position through willingness to immerse yourself into it, through being native to it, from where you've been, not right. only yeah. because of where you've been. That's really yeah, a nice, and, that's
2: a really nice thing to highlight. I agree. And, and if, I, if I can throw another kind of, again, I, I pretty much live in sports analogies, So you'll probably get a few more of these on the show. <laughs> but one of the anybody who's, who's in who's been an athlete or played a sport can can probably relate to that feeling of, Being in the zone, right, or or they'll call it flow, Mm -hmm. and really, what that is, if you break it down, it is taking all of your experience, all of all of the work that you have put in. It's removing the part that gets in your way, which is the overthinking in your brain, and it's allowing all of that to manifest itself in that theater of sport, right? So that that's that same type of situation can happen in a workplace. Bring that experience. And, and I've had those feelings in the workplace. It yeah. absolutely happened. You can be sitting there working on, you can be in front of your laptop working alone on a strategy and you're just pulling from things, jotting yeah. it down. You're not even sure where it comes from. I, I often think, when I, I'll come back to it the next day and think, man, would I have come up with this today?
1: Right. And I'm right. so happy that
2: I was working <laughs> on it yesterday. And it, but those things can absolutely um, be part of your professional Workspace. It's just leaning on yeah. those experiences. They will just naturally come out when you're in the right environment um, to to do that. You just have to get that that piece. It's yeah. it's, it's an ironic kind of dichotomy. Get your yeah. brain out of the way and just allow your experience and your your talents
1: and all of that to come through.
2: No, you're hitting on I all cylinders, that.
1: Brian. I mean, you're hitting on yeah, all cylinders. no, for sure. I love the theme of that, and uh, your analogies are fantastic. Your your anecdotes, your stories, yeah.
0: Hey, Brian, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self a a piece of advice, like what would that, what would that advice be?
2: Man, she's hitting, she's hitting the hard ones, right? (laughs) Um, You know, that's a good question. I think I have, you, you, you asked a question before about kind of what I've taken maybe from other people. Yeah. I would say. The person that I have learned the most from in my entire life is my nine-year-old. And that is because I tend to index very robotic,
0: okay, incredibly
2: robotic. I like to keep my world very black and white. Yeah. And he is someone that is so in tune with his emotions. And for me, for a very long time, emotions... Made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and said, "You know what? Emotions just get in the way, right? Yep. Every good decision <laughs> needs to just be made cognitively without emotion. Remove it completely, and move forward." And the the depth in which he can kind of touch into his emotions has taught me so much about how to one and how to engage him and kids, yeah. but two, how to engage other people. Um, it's not something. It's not something that 18 year old Brian, honestly, it's not something that maybe a uh, 25, 30 year old Brian was thinking, right? And, yeah. and I feel like it's something I could have used in those periods of time. No, no, I, I don't wanna, I also don't wanna isolate the fact that I think me indexing robotics certainly helps in, in ways, sure. right? It's, yeah, it's absolutely, agree. it's very, I mean, we talked about being uncomfortable. It's very easy for me to embrace discomfort in a lot of ways, physically, yeah. Mentally, emotionally, it's very easy for me to get myself into those situations and be fine. But what he kind of opened up for me is that it's not about you. It's (laughs) also about the people around you in those situations. So, I mean, to, to give you an example, a hypothetical example, you could be in a situation where there's chaos everywhere. And I thrive in those situations. I love them. It's everything slows down for me in those moments. We talked about flow that I can see things so clearly in those moments yeah. that it's very easy for me to make decisions. We, we talked about just leveraging your experience, all of that. Right. What I never thought about was how is this impacting the people around me oh, yeah. interesting. And, yeah. and the reason why that's important. And there's some people that might be listening that might say, yeah, but why does that matter if you're making the decisions and you're moving forward? Why does that matter? Well, because you're going to have to rely on those people at some point yeah. throughout the process. And they need to be bolstered, enabled to make sure that they're not, they're not left behind, yeah. aligned. Yeah. And, yeah. and understand, I'm a big believer in diversity of thought, diversity of value. They're going to bring something to the equation that you didn't see, whether you like it or not. I might not have liked to hear that 15, 20 years ago, yeah. but it's absolutely true. And you need to make sure that you're um, allowing for those types of um, individuals to feel what they're feeling, and and kind of help in that situation in the same way. So he's, he's taught me that immensely, and I I think if if I if I could give him some advice, it would be
1: touch into those pieces of yourself. Keep them, because it's important. Yeah, Yeah, keep them and keep them active. You know, that's really impressive, Brian. And that's a lot of growth for you in the last nine years. I'm sure that's a lot of growth. Oh yeah.
2: I love oh, that you're yeah. willing to
1: share it with our with our our viewers and our our listeners because um that's why we're doing this is so that people yeah. touch mm-hmm. in on those important data points around and they're all so interconnected right the imposter syndrome yeah. emotion black and white thinking rigor mm-hmm. all the stuff
0: yeah. I, I mm-hmm. will, if
1: I may, switch gears just a little bit on the notion um, of your black and white. And all I could think yep. of is I tend to also pivot to black and white. It's this way. Yep. Or I'm completely off the reservation, crying in my pool of woe. Right? So I'm, uh-huh. Linda's got her hands full with me. There's no doubt about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm in touch with my so emotion I, I'm like and the, I'm the, right. I'm calm yeah. and steady. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm,
0: not a, I'm not quite as uh, all over yeah. the place. I'm a little more She's just, keeping the just train there. on the tracks. Yeah, keeping the train yeah. on the tracks. Exactly.
1: <laughs> anyway, to that end, one of the things things that I have found very comforting for myself is a routine. You said rinse and lather Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. I referenced that analogy in the book a few times. Rinse, lather, repeat. Yep. And just moving us into some of the things that you might set up for yourself as structure. um, I'm curious what your habits are that Maybe drive mm-hmm. you to peak performance. I heard you mention getting up at four, reading. I heard you yeah. running, and I just kind of wanted to mm-hmm. package that a little bit and say, yeah. "What are the things that Brian does that someone else might hear as value?" To mm-hmm. a little bit of structure, a little bit of black and white helps you recognize the color of your day. What is it you yes. is you like to pull out of that question? That's the, sort of an indirect it, it, one. Yeah.
2: That's, well, that's more of a loaded question actually than, than than you probably even realized. Um, (laughs) I mean, first of all, I'll say from that black and white nature, I, I thrive in routine. I can operate in chaos and I'm really good at it, but I thrive in routine. (laughs) I vacation stresses me out. My, we're getting ready to go on vacation next week, 4th of July weekend or 4th of July week. And it's stressful to know that I'm not going to be working. On the projects that I have going on, and right? keeping that same routine <laughs> and structure—it sounds insane, but it—it's it, absolutely stressful. And My wife thinks it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, it's a curse. But I'm with you on that,
1: Brian. That's a curse. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's—I it, mean, we talked about how difficult it is. I—I've had to really focus on being present, um, especially yeah. for my kids, and enjoying this yeah. time because while I like the structure, they don't need the structure, and they just need to be kids. And I know—I yeah. mean, I have nine four and one wow. and they're not wow. going to be those ages forever yeah. and they're all they all bring different stresses and different joys at the exact same time in yeah. these ages and it's it's changes so fast so i'm trying to be more present in those things um that kind of helps me pop out of it but in terms of routine the reason why i said it's a loaded question is um i i went through some health issues recently and about a year ago, almost a year ago to the day, it was June 23rd. I still remember this. Um, I, I got the final diagnosis that I had, uh, pulmonary embolisms in my lungs
1: oh, and
2: my what had happened prior the, 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 year and a half prior to that was I, I was running every day. Um, I, you talked about routine. I was up at 4 AM every day. I was going for a five or six mile run. I was coming back to my computer. I started work. Um, Mm. and that, that's, that was every single day. And I Mm. thrived in that type of routine and, um, running was something that grounded me. I wasn't the person that ran to music or anything. I just ran with thoughts. And, and it's one of the Uh things that I've learned recently that it's very difficult for people to do. And I think it's made me more resilient. It's just being alone with yourself in your thoughts Mm -hmm. is so important and it's challenging. People, people find it really, really difficult. And I got used to it and I enjoyed it because it helped me work through things. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to hit the ground running, whether it was a personal thing or a professional thing. It didn't matter. I could work. I work it all out. Um, So anyway, that got, I mean, overnight taken from me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really difficult. On top of that, the ambiguity of, well, what is this thing happening to me? Because I went from running one day to the next day. I couldn't run a hundred yards without just almost passing out gasping right. for air, couldn't, couldn't do it. Wow. Um, now this is, this is something else I've learned throughout this process was while I was waiting, trying to figure out what it was, I was still running.
1: Mm. So I was
2: still run walking. And I look back on it now and I say, you know what, you needed to take care of yourself in yes. those situations and listen to your body. And that's something I've else that I've learned with age. And I should have listened to my wife earlier,
0: yeah. um,
2: but <laughs> that it, I talked about how I can, I can embrace discomfort. I found a way to, to move through five miles every single day in that scenario, yeah. um, where most people would have thought that's insane. It's just what I did. And when I finally got the diagnosis, um, cause I went through a battery of tests and they were mm-hmm. looking at everything. Um, they, um, it was actually very easy for me to shut down running overnight to say, okay, this is bigger than me. This is. This yeah. is for my family. This is this is me taking care of myself. Yeah. But how do I, how do I replace that routine, right? Um, right. And because I still need it, I still need something to help me get my brain in the right mindset. Because I know I'm I'm I can be challenging to be around for anyone if I haven't had those types of things. Yeah. Um, but some people wake up and they need a cup of coffee and some time. I needed a run. I didn't yeah. need coffee. I didn't need anything. I just needed – I needed to run and I needed to work through my thoughts. Yeah. And so I, I was figuring that out. But, and what I've been doing over the past year is twofold. One, getting up and walking, right? So I, I cover about two and a half miles walking every single day. I don't miss a day. But two, I've been plowing through audibles okay. and just listening yeah. to some of the best books out there and some of the best Wonderful. advice that I've gotten from books. Everything from um self help books to leadership books into uh one that was surprisingly probably the best book that I've listened to, which is Matthew McConaughey's Greenlight. Oh, oh really? I was oh, my goodness. I've been I'm it on the fence because I love
0: Matthew, but I've been on the it fence about he's a little weird. Incredible. So incredible.
2: <laughs> um he's so, so weird. it's <laughs> oh and he he'll only seem weirder after the book, yeah. but it's it, his story and how he actually pulls that into lessons that he learns yeah yeah is, it's it's one of the best books that i that I've gone through, but all that to say, I think everybody needs. I mean, my wife's very different. My, my wife likes to work out, but she's also, she needs her cup of coffee and she needs some time to decompress in the morning.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think I drive her nuts sometimes because I've been up already and I'm just roaring to go and ready to <laughs> right. go. And yeah, yeah. she's probably like, just I need you to simmer down a little bit. But, uh, but I, I think it's important to know that everybody needs something. Yeah. It's just everybody's different. Well, I think that's the key
1: and that's the key right there that I think I was trying to address and sort of point out. You got to prioritize it. Yeah. And you have to to do it. Yeah, exactly right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I heard in your in your processing of your action of running is actually a really good meditation for someone else who might not need the physical attribute. The rinse, lather, repeat aspect of getting up at four, reading your book, doing your journaling, doing the things. It's exactly what I talk about in my book around. Habits really create the ability for you to start to work in a peak performance and peak performance for our conversation not only includes black and white, but the color of your day and being able to Mm -hmm. recognize and immerse both or merge both of those things together. It's really nice of you to um, share that perspective in that because I'm finding that to be a theme in all successful people. And a lot of that gets missed if it's not communicated. It just sort Mm -hmm. of either happens through tragedy or diagnosis before people realize yeah. they could actually do it and run a little more structured as they kick yeah. off their day, you know? Well, and, and something you threw out there, and,
2: and I've heard this from so many people, and it, I'm just, I'm only saying this because it shows you that everybody's different. Yeah. And journaling has become really popular yeah. and people love to do it and they love to sit down and get their thoughts out. And I, everyone that I've heard from that does it, finds it to be so therapeutic it's not something I can do Yeah, because either. what I do is I sit down, I've tried it a couple of times and I just feel the pressure mm-hmm. and I don't know what to write. <laughs> yeah. And with that pressure comes anxiety and that's yep. missing the point completely. Yeah. Right. Totally. But right. it's, a, it's an incredible tool for somebody to work through their thoughts yes. and to document what they're feeling and, so it's a great example of somebody's somebody's running, somebody else is yeah. somebody else's journaling, somebody else's something At, else.
1: And you use those and, words and processing your thoughts is what it's about. Yeah. And the yeah. routine exactly. of peak performance is what it's about. And these are my experiences too. Well, Brian, I have really enjoyed
0: um, visiting with you today. Uh, we like to end the show with uh, with three questions. Um, oh, no. So if you'll indulge <laughs> us in that. Um, Let's do it. Um, yeah. Uh, so what is a common myth about your job or if of expertise. And you kind of touched a little bit on this idea of marketing, yeah, that everyone, yeah, yeah, that everyone can do it. Everybody
2: thinks, everybody thinks they're a marketer because they can come up with some catchy slogan Mm -hmm. or, or they think, Hey, if I just get these advertisements here, it's going to solve things. I, this is another thing I tell marketers, especially in the public sector arena, because you have so many people that are just looking at, metrics and how many leads did I get, right? Yeah. I, I'm just trying to get thousands and thousands of leads. And if I get them in, that's my job. Right, I flip that on its head completely. Yeah, My job is to create meaningful one-to-one interactions.
0: I like that. If
2: I, if I can get the right person in front of the right person at the right time, then I've done my job. It's yeah. not if I've gotten 10,000 leads, if I've gotten that one right lead and, and awesome. working to get that, that is my job um like so uh, but for me it's uh, that everybody Everybody can do it.
0: Yeah, I, that's a really good one because you're right. I think that is one of those. And I'll admit I was guilty of that myself until I really started thinking about it from the government side of thinking, well, how hard mm-hmm. is marketing? Well, it's pretty dang hard. So, yeah. um, And it isn't something, it's a skill for sure um, that that it takes to do that. So I love that. That's a great I one. Think, I think um, there's an
1: additional reminder on that that's nice in our day of social media that I just came across the other day. As yeah. I'm marketing the book, I'm marketing my business and I'm you know trying to keep a journal of my kids. all these different social media platforms that we have going on, uh, uh, somebody relatively famous, and I know it relates to the Justin Bieber story too, but you just never know who's watching, right? And all it takes is one and your message to be clear and concise. So Mm -hmm. I like the idea, Brian, that you're bringing that down to an organic sort of one-to-one ratio versus I've got Mm -hmm. more followers, so I'm a bigger entity. It doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. If it's the right followers. Yeah,
0: no, it's very so really important. No. Really
1: important for people to hear and to resonate with, and, and I think it does touch on your number three here, Linda, which is one thing about your job or field or expertise that almost no one agrees with you about. <laughs> Might yeah, be this. So what is? <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, talk about that, Brian. That's uh, what's one thing about your job or field of expertise that almost no one agrees with you about when you talk about it?
2: Oh, huh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if there's an overarching thing. That nobody agrees with me on. I think if there if there are disagreements, it's probably more, more tactical or more okay. more specific. Yeah. Um. I, I I and and I also, I I attribute that actually to less about me and more of the people that are around me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. I have some, especially at SoCure, Matt Thompson, Jordan Burris. I mean, we have some great leaders, um, in that in that organization. Matt is a former. Uh, special operations commander in the army army ranger um was uh under general McChrystal. um people like to say uh that they'll ask him questions about his, his book team of teams and he says yeah i lived it uh and the book came after yeah and, but incredible incredible leadership and jordan is jordan's the same he's the former uh, chief of staff for the federal cio at omb uh-huh. um you talk about somebody who is so so good so thoughtful yeah. Um, about what he's saying, but also so empathetic. Um, he's so good at his job at the same time, cares about everybody around him. Um, uh, but it's a long way of saying I'm surrounded by so many great people that they also know that they hired me because of my background yeah. and my expertise. And they, it, it's not that they need to get out of the way, but they trust me to build, build things. Yeah. Um, and, and I, we'll do refinements and tweaks, but there's, there's rarely any big disagreements. There's a lot of trust within our organization. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the, and going back to what we talked about in, in looking for roles and finding roles, that's the type of environment I look for too. Right. I mean, we often say that, that interviews are bi-directional,
0: yep. right? Yeah. So you
2: need to be finding an environment that you can land in and thrive in. That's one of the big things that I prioritize. I prioritize work-life balance. I think that's incredibly important because I have three kids and it's because- yeah. I want to spend time with my three kids. Um, I can tell you about a funny story about that later. and two, like, trust, right? Yeah. you want to trust the leaders and you want them to trust you. yeah um, so those are those are a couple of things I prioritize, but because of that, I, I don't really have situations where these over overarching disagreements on, on big things.
0: No, I like that. Yeah. I think that's yeah. good. Well, and my last question kind of ties a little bit back to a couple of nuggets you were just sharing with us, but is like, what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career?
2: Um, for me, it's alignment or identity. And what, what I mean by that is it's, you have to know who you are and it makes yeah. everything else so easy, right? If um, we, yeah. we talked, yeah. we, Scott, Scott, you talked earlier about being black and white. There's a lot of cons to that, but there's a lot of pros. My black and white yeah. pro is that I know what my priorities are and it's very easy for me to say no when I know that is in yeah. direct conflict with my priorities. I was okay. at an event, yeah. um, this, this is actually what I was alluding to. I was at an event a couple of weeks ago Um, it was a networking event and I'm standing around talking to a bunch of, a bunch of executives, right. Um, trying to network and do these things. And, um, a woman, a woman came in, she brought up a great idea. You know, it'd be fun is, is if we, we could bring, bring our kid to kind of show them what we do. And I always get questions and one of the guys said, well, I come here to get away from my kids.
0: Huh. Mm, interesting.
2: And it was in that moment. <laughs> I, I looked at my watch and I said, these aren't my people. I yeah. got to go.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, you can't see it behind me, but I have a sign that says family is everything. And it's because I walk into my office and that's still that doesn't change. Yeah. So I make a, I make my decisions based on based on them first. Right. And, and I know that that makes it easier for me to prioritize them. It's why work-life balance is so important. It's not because I I don't want to drive to work or because I I want time off. It's because I want time around my kids. Yeah, I want to work really hard and then I want to jump in my car and drive over and coach my son's football team or soccer team or sure, make yeah. sure I can get my, my daughter has swim practice tonight. I, I want to be able to take her to that and, and do those things. My wife is incredible and she gets them to most of the things during the day when they're, especially in the summertime and yeah. Um, but I, I want those experiences too. And yeah. she's great about trying to find ways for me after work to do those things. And I want to be able to do them.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so it's, that's so important, but for me, it's alignment.
1: It's I knowing who
2: you are and not sacrificing that for things that just aren't worth it. Fantastic. They're just not worth it.
0: No, Fantastic. that's a great, great lesson to leave um, our listeners on is is remembering that. So I really appreciate that. Brian, I have really enjoyed getting to know you even a little bit more. Um, Likewise. You know, it's, this, this yeah, it's great. so cool. It's funny Thank how you, you meet people throughout your life and throughout your career where there's just something like, you're like, wow, well, I just connect with this person. And, mm-hmm. and I'm a very introverted person. Um, and so for me in those events, like trying to do that social networking and everything. So when I meet someone that I'm like, wow, I just... There's something about about the connection where you're like, yeah. To your point, these are my people. These I I can relate, and um, we have commonalities that that make you want to dive in and get to know the person. Well, even one more. of the
2: best. So and I'll 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 end with this. One of the best uh, icebreakers I've heard in a while was a, an event we were at, and they were asking people what shows they're binging.
1: Yeah, and I've that was never
2: good. seen. I've never seen a group of people or an entire room light up right? when, when they get asked different television shows or books to share with people yeah. that they love. I mean, you could ask them anything, but you ask them that. And yes. they are fully engaged. It doesn't matter. Introvert, extrovert, whatever. That's so true. That's, that is. that's their thing. So it's
1: <laughs> funny, Brian, funny. you that say was that. a good one. And there's a story <laughs> I'll tell you guys too to just get, get in there a little bit on that one. I am um, having three kids and being just a little further along than you, Brian, and their development and trying to be a part of it all. Um, every one of their friends gets in my car with two questions. If I'm ever driving a kid anywhere, the kid has to answer what is his favorite color? And what is his favorite song? And the icebreaker oh, no. for and the icebreaker for them these days when it's not radio stations like when we were kids and all that they don't know what song it is. I started with, "Well, my favorite song is Happy Birthday," and it just makes them feel a little bit easier, a little bit happier about what's happening next. Yeah, and it I gets like me that. out but of my black and white. When you hear somebody sing <laughs> no. black, "Happy Birthday," you can't. Right. That's right, right. exactly.
0: Yeah. No, so, that's, that's perfect. Great. I love it.
1: Anyway, well, thank you for being again. here, Brian. It's yeah, been a real thanks, pleasure. Uh,
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of An Unconventional Guide to Success. If you want to learn more about Brian Chidester, you can follow him on LinkedIn. His profile is in the show notes. An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Missigatis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Misogadis check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.